Get your popcorn ready for the College Baseball Insider Show with Matt Grissom and Quentin Mills, giving you all the insights and analysis you need for the weekend slate that college baseball has to offer. are your hosts ready to dive into the top matchups what's up college baseball fans this is matt grissom joined as always with uh my co-host quentin mills what's up q still rocking that florida gators hat despite a series loss last weekend hey we can't win them all we're gonna lose a game or maybe 12 this year so I got to stay with it. I told you backstage I was looking for the white and blue when they no longer wear, and you said don't switch it up. Uh, fun fact, they did win a natty in that hat, so maybe I need to go back to that as we get to regionals. So, Yeah, I was about to say, save it for Omaha. Yeah. You know, we may need to pull out all the superstitious. and Hopefully we're both there. Stops. Yeah, that, that's a, a dream. I, I can't believe I still haven't been. I think you've been, what, a couple times? Yeah, I've been three the last three years. Hopefully uh, – I got my daughter on the way. I got an agreement. If Florida makes it, I can go for a couple of days. If not, I got to wait till next year. So, well, tell people what they can expect because I'm I'm going to assume that a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to go. So just give them a little preview of what it's like. It's like uh, the best vacation you could ever go if you're a baseball fan. Times ten. It's kind of like uh, the Taj Mahal of baseball, in my opinion. Uh, I ran every game through a World Series run with my Nationals in 2019. And I can only imagine what it's like if, if I got to see Florida in person because it's even without them, it's by far the best sporting event I've ever been to. The, the crowd, the atmosphere, the friendliness, the competitiveness, the, the, uh, just the, the passion in, in college baseball is second to none. And, and Omaha does a fantastic job. They've embraced it, and uh, it's, it's an awesome experience. And it's right on the border of, of Iowa, so you've got yep. casinos, from what I've been told, like five minutes from yeah. You got a couple, and you get a hotel room half price in Council Bluff, Iowa, than you do downtown Omaha. So it's it's a it's a win win to be in Iowa. Gosh, I hope we can both make it. Hopefully, that would be, that would be insane. Um, all right, so let's talk about last weekend. You know, we won't hammer it because I know Florida lost. It's probably got you down a little bit. Uh, Arkansas came away with a sweep. Just to talk about our two teams, but I think maybe the biggest surprise was LSU finally got got. Uh, we had talked about how their pitching staff after Paul Skeens, you know, that was a struggle for them, and, and they were going to have to figure it out to make a deep run. I mean, are you are you surprised that it was Auburn that took the series? I am. I thought they probably uh, should have lost a South Carolina series. We never got to see that play out. So I kind of assumed that as a loss. I was very surprised with Auburn, but I will say this. Auburn got the best of, of Arkansas in game one, if I'm not mistaken. They also got the best of, of Florida in game one. Essentially, both of their aces uh, were manhandled in the game. I think Florida lost 12-1, to 1, and Arkansas kind of had a similar upset. I wasn't surprised uh, that they picked up a game. I was just kind of surprised that they picked up two. Um, Auburn's a, a weird team. Like They're brutal in some aspects when we, when we show the stats. I mean, they're some of the worst uh, rankings in the country. But they just find a way to win. Um, I'll be honest, it, it, you can't sleep on any SEC team. R- regardless, if you're bottom feeder SEC, you're still 
better than just about every mid-major in the country uh, on a, on paper standpoint and a scrappiness standpoint. So, you know, I, I don't think any team can ever go uh, a perfect without losing a season series and, and win a College World Series. Uh, in fact, I think the last team to, to have a perfect weekend ranking uh, schedule was Arkansas in 21, and we saw how that ended. So it's kind of almost – maybe a breath of fresh air to lose that. So maybe LSU kind of feels like there's no pressure now. Yeah. And another team I want to touch on is Alabama, you know, despite losing Brad Bohannon over this whole gambling controversy, which I feel like we've talked enough about, everybody knows it by now, but they take a big series win against Vanderbilt who, you know, at the time was, I think ranked three in the country, maybe four. Um, I mean, anything you want to add on with, with Crimson Tide. Kudos to those guys. I, I was the first to admit I, I was wrong. I thought Vanderbilt was kind of going to take that pretty, pretty easily, if not swept them. I mean, that's kudos to those Bama guys. I mean, I think maybe they, uh, they kind of played a little pissed off. It almost seemed like, you know, they just lost their coach. I would imagine they enjoyed their coach. Uh, they go out and they win, you know, a big C- uh, series against Vanderbilt. I don't want to take anything away from Bama because they are, uh, one of the better teams, especially when I started seeing their stat lines. I didn't realize just how good on paper they were, especially on the uh, the pitching side of things. Uh, but Vanderbilt, I think we're kind of seeing uh, pre-SEC Vanderbilt again. I mean, Carter Holton just doesn't seem 100%, uh, whether it's uh, physically or mentally. It just seems like something's wrong. And then you look at the hitting. The hitting, I mean, what are they batting, like 280 as a team, a number five team in the country? You know, as, as prestigious as Vanderbilt is, we see them in Omaha – you know, time and time again, this is definitely a different team. And, and I think you're starting to see that if a team can pitch really well uh, and their pitching is not elite, which, again, right now we're not seeing it to be elite, they're just as beatable as anybody in the country. And, and I think we're starting to see that. I think Vandy's vulnerable. Yeah, I think Alabama did a really good job of pointing, pointing all of their flaws out. Another team that I want to touch on is Kentucky. This has been a team that we've – We've kind of debated back and forth if how legitimate they are. You know, they hung with LSU, but then they dropped a series against A&M and then got swept by Vanderbilt. So it kind of had cooled off a little bit. But then they bounced back last weekend with sweeping South Carolina. Uh, I think this is more of South Carolina's falling back to my initial expectations than it is Kentucky exceeding anything. I'm actually frustrated with myself that I kind of went away from my gut feeling. I remember saying early on, those are two teams I thought were playing above their expected, uh, you know, trajectory. We saw Kentucky lose four straight series. Uh, eventually they were going to win again. That's not without question or a talented ball club. Uh, but I think we're starting to see that, that decline now in South Carolina. I think they peaked a little bit early. Sanders isn't looking as sharp as he did against the big time competition against LSU and Florida. They're hitting. I know they're banged up with injuries, but uh, I was listening to another show on their way home this morning, and I agree with that that host of his. Look what Arkansas has. Arkansas has similar injuries, uh, impact players who are injured, and they're winning the game. South Carolina has essentially the same injuries, and they're losing the games. I think that's just the – again, that follows back to the trajectory. Arkansas is meant to win. They're in a place where they have the ability to win. South Carolina is still trying to get back to that level. They're not the 2009 to 2011 team. They're trying to get back there, but they're just not back there right yet. And so I think this is, uh, while Kentucky played well, I think we're starting to see South Carolina maybe kind of come down for the rest of the season. So given Georgia, 
Alabama and Kentucky going in in two weekends to go to the SEC tournament, which one would you give the the best chance of, of making some noise and even winning it? I pro- – <sighs> I would say it's a coin flip between Georgia and Alabama. I think Georgia's really found something. I think they're Goldstein and uh, Liam Sullivan are really starting to find their groove. Obviously, we've talked at nausea about Charlie Condon. Uh, you've got uh, the other kid, Tate, behind him, who is looking incredible. Alabama, man, they're pitching, right? They're, they're a scrappy team. We just saw that. They lost their coach. They had all the excuses in the world to kind of just fold up the season, pack their bags, and go home. Nobody would have, you know – hurt you know or judged them any wrongfully for that i mean they're a 30 win team they're getting better but but if that was how their season ended it, it would have been okay it would have been a progressive season they're not done and i think they're again they're playing pissed off they i think they kind of and I, obviously i don't speak to anybody on the team i don't have any connections to them but it's almost like maybe they were playing for their coach the way they were just so aggressive against vanderbilt i mean they they beat them in just about every inning um they're, they're out there to prove something, right? They, they don't have to gamble on games, whether it was just the coach or the student players. They're there to win, and they're proving it. So, I, to me, it's a coin flip. If, if you put a gun to my head and I had to pick, I'd probably say Bama's going to make a little uh, farther of a run, but Georgia's definitely figuring something out for next season. Yeah, and we'll see. They The Crimson Tide, we're not going to talk about much on the show today outside of this. They, they travel to A&M and – They've got a tough road game. I mean, I feel like every every SEC road series is a big deal because it's so difficult to win on the road. This will be a true test for Bama just to see if they can continue this. And then they finish the season with Ole Miss. So you're realistically, you're talking about a, a pretty good chance of taking the last three series of the of the season with some momentum going into Hoover. You're, you know, you're basically the home team there and so i i would probably lean crimson tide to answer my own question uh i think they've got enough and i i don't know with the way that they played against vanderbilt i think if they could get hot and stay hot this is a team to look out for if matt if i'm not mistaken they they won a couple games in sec tournament last year i think florida bounced them but i think they've made it at least to the quarterfinals uh and they were not a team that that people really expected to kind of have a run like that well Talking about your Florida Gators, we'll get into the matchups. Uh, we've got Vanderbilt traveling to Gainesville to take on your Gators. How do you feel about this series? I think both Vandy and, and Florida coming off bad, bad last weekends. And which one shows up? The I, Jekyll and Hyde Florida Gators <laughs> that, that can pitch and hit? Or uh, is it going to be a repeat of last weekend? No, I, I think they bounce back. I think they, they have just as good as coach as Vanderbilt. I, I put all the trust in Kevin O'Sullivan. That was a bad way to lose. I mean, they hats off to Texas A&M. They showed up in that game. Uh, they were a preseason top five team for a reason. I think between the injuries, their, their pitching inconsistencies, they really played like they were a top five team against Florida. Uh, Florida swung the bats pretty decently Friday. Saturday just kind of got away from them early. And then they, they just kind of uh, let that game be what it is. But then Sunday was an absolute game. If you're an SEC fan to watch a 3-2 game, that was that felt like a playoff vibe there in College Station. So that was an incredible game. I thought Cags pitched really well for three and two-thirds. He had a couple walks. The one thing in that series I think you really saw, though, especially Sunday, Florida's bullpen's getting a lot better. They found their rotation. 
They they held the game. Brandon Sproke gives up a three run home run uh, to uh, Trevor Warner. Speaking of which, we got to get him on the show. I met him last year. Incredible guy. Uh, so he gives up a three run bomb. He had five earned runs. They win the game six five. The bullpen came in and shut Texas A and M down. And they also, with with the exception of a balk, that you know they pretty much shut down Texas A and M Sunday. So. You know, I know Johnny V is always on their bullpen, but I think they figured it out with the rotation of Abner, uh, Blake Purnell, if they need him. Uh, Ryan Slater has come up huge. He's a multi-inning guy, great slider, hard thrower, mid-90s. Uh, and then, obviously, you've got one of the best closers in the SEC, Brandon Neely. So I think they're they're getting to a point where the bullpen's not a concern anymore. One thing to note, and I think they get it right, I talked to you guys in a chat. Herson Waldrip was forced by the NCAA to change his windup two weeks ago. Without question, you know, it just came out of nowhere in week 11. The NCAA is calling Florida and saying, hey, this guy needs to change it up. He's got an illegal hitch in his pitch. Long story short, they they said it almost seemed like he was pausing in his uh, windup and they didn't like it. Somebody obviously took uh, exception to it and they made him change it. There's a reason why he gave up like 19 home runs in two games. I mean, I to me, that fully explains it. I think he comes back with enough time against a, uh, a suspect Vanderbilt offense. I think he wins on Saturday and he figures out a, a new windup. I also think Brandon Sproat can, can dominate the Vanderbilt team who just doesn't hit really well. He gives up a couple home runs. I don't think he's going to do that because Vanderbilt doesn't hit that many. Uh, I, I also think Cags, you know, is, is getting to a point where if, if he can give you four, the bullpen's going to take care of the rest. And I think that builds him confidence, right? He doesn't have to stress. I think the offense really gets going. BT's finally starting to hit the ball well. He had a couple home runs against Texas A&M. Rivera's starting to hit the ball well. Wyatt Langford, uh, the, the guy reminds me, uh, and, and I get this from Johnny, and Mike Trout, you look at him, he does everything so perfectly. I think Florida being at home is the difference maker. It's going to be packed. It's a sold-out place. These two teams hate each other. And I'm going to steal, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but approximately the, the home to away win-loss the home team has won like 100 to 59 series in the SEC this year. So there's a reason why home field advantage exists, and, and it's being proven in the SEC. Uh, that That's pretty much on par with the <laughs> SEC in general. It's hard yeah. to win on the road. And like you said, Vanderbilt is not a very good hitting team. They're 148th in bat, batting average and 105th in slugging. I mean, 110th in on-base percentage – that's not good for an SEC team. I mean, I, I don't know another SEC team that is in the triple digits of in pretty much every hitting category. Uh, so, yeah, I think Florida is probably going to open up as a pretty heavy favorite. I would feel comfortable back in Sprout on Friday, anything south of minus 200. Is that – I mean, it, it's hard to believe that you've got the number, what, five team in the country maybe yeah. being that big of a – a dog, but I don't, I don't know if it'll go that heavy. I kind of was thinking like the 165 range. Cause I, I think you got to give them some respect to being the fifth ranked team in the country. Uh, but I do agree. I think Florida is going to be the favorite. Probably de- de- depending on when Futrell pitches, if he's going to pitch Friday or Saturday, I think that could change a little bit. Um, and Carter Holden, I think they're going to be kind of the minus 165 throughout the weekend. Might dip down a little bit when Cags pitches down in the 140s, but I, I think they're going to get Florida the edge all weekend. Yeah, I think Florida will be a bet I'll make every day uh, just because I feel like they're going to take the series. And if they drop one, then we'll just hammer it again the next day. Uh, moving on, I think 
finally, D1 baseball has recognized that there should be a, no, a new number one team in the country. And it took Wake Forest to knock off Boston College last weekend and LSU dropping that series to Auburn to do it. But you look at that pitching category, Wake Forest owns the number one spot in all of them. Their, their bats are good. I mean, this is the most complete team in college baseball. We've talked about it. Show in and show out. I, the only reason they're on here, I think they sweep Florida State. Florida State is not a very good team. But I wanted a chance to talk about the Demon Deacons. Yeah, I'm not really going to talk about the Florida State. I will say one thing to mention. It's pretty crazy that Florida State, I believe they've made it 40, it's like 44 or 46 consecutive playoff runs. So we're going to see that come to an end. You know, unfortunately, that's as much as I hate Florida State, it's sad to see something like that kind of slip away because it just shows their dominance. But all credit to Wake Forest. We said they were the number one team in the country uh, all season long, especially once we really saw Paul Skeens was kind of the, the number one guy for LSU and then nobody was behind him. It was almost a one-man army on the defensive side of things. You look at Wake Forest, I mean, they're. I watched Josh Hartle pitch, and I think he, in the fifth inning, had like 65 pitches. I mean, he's so efficient. He's got so much command, and he's their Sunday starter. That's really the, what that has to tell you about this team. They're so deep. And I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the the, the – one of their other pitchers was out for the season. Uh, so Hartle may even not even get that, you know, opportunity if they're what was supposed to be their number one guy doesn't get hurt uh, preseason. So realistically, they have four deep aces, in my opinion. Hartle's an ace on any other team, so Sean Sullivan. Uh, you look at the offense, Nick Kurtz, Brock Wilkin. You got Hawk leading off, one of the best uh, leadoff hitters in the country, and then Adam Sasir. And he's battled a little bit of injuries, but he's starting to come back healthy. That team is dangerous. Uh, I don't – I mean, could you imagine playing in a regional where you can just boom, 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 throw those guys, and then you have to walk into a super regional and win two or three against three number one pitchers? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, and ultimately I think that's what's going to be the difference maker between Wake Forest and LSU. I know a number one team has not won the national championship since 1999. I think this but could be it. Wake Forest taking this number one spot late in the season. I, I feel like they're right where they need to be. I can't really point out any flaws to this team outside of the fact that they're not an SEC team. So the competition level is just not as strong. That being said, I, I think Wake is probably going to be a parlay bet all weekend for me. I don't see them dropping a game. Uh, you, I mean, you said it with, with their offense, what they've got going, plus they're I mean, they're just an elite team. I mean, you, you've you got Rhett Louder who's consistently going seven innings, which is just like Paul Skeens. When you've got guys going deep that you can trust, that's probably the biggest thing in, you know, making these numbers, making the handicap. And you look at the guys, like you said, it, it three starters on any other team, just pick your poison and you've got to back this team. Uh, another team that's got a really good pitching rotation that, is finally kind of coming along. Uh, they take on the Kentucky Wildcats. It's the Tennessee Volunteers, who unfortunately did drop that series last weekend. But do you think the Vols bounce back at home? I do. I think it, they they have a pretty hostile environment. They got a loyal fan base. You know they're they're very comfortable at home. I mean, you see the record; they're thirty and four at home. Uh, they're two and eleven on the road. So that just tells you, you know, they really feed off their crowd energy. 
this is a team that is fighting for a top 16 seed. They need it probably more than Kentucky does. Uh, I think Tennessee's expectations across baseball were to be way higher than this, and they haven't projected. So the pressure is on them more so than it is Kentucky. Tennessee has – they were bound to drop a series. They, they swept, you know, two in a row. Again, and then they have to go play, you know, on the road against a scrappy Georgia team. Georgia is very, very good at home. We mentioned Connor, we mentioned Tate, we mentioned Sullivan Goldstein. Like they're starting to put it together. And Jalen Woods really not even pitching for him. Uh, he didn't really pitch well. He's he's had some shoulder issues, but they're better with him healthy. If you could get that lineup going, pitching rotation, they're a pretty formidable team. They're young. They're going to be there next year in a good spot. So I don't necessarily say Tennessee's not back because of that loss. I mean, Florida went and lost to Georgia. Arkansas got swept at Georgia. Like That's obviously a, a place that you don't want to play in, so I'm not going to put that against Tennessee. Kentucky does not hit the long ball, which scares me. They have decent pitching, but I think this is kind of going to get into a, a home run derby for Tennessee. They Everybody says it kind of plays small. That plays right into Tennessee's hands. Tennessee can obviously hit in the big parks. We've seen them. But it just makes it that much easier to hit in a comfortable facility. They're going to have their fans behind them. I think Tennessee potentially could sweep this one too uh, because I just if it gets in a shootout, I'm taking Tennessee's lineup any day of the week over Kentucky. And they just have too many good hitters that I don't – you know, you look at the the Kentucky pitchers. I mean, they have, you know, mid-fours mid to low-five ERAs. They're bound to give up runs, and Tennessee's bound to hit the ball. So what better place to do it than at their own ballpark? Yep, I completely agree. Tennessee's probably going to be another team that I'm going to be betting anything south of minus 200. And if it's more than that, I'll throw them in a parlay. I do think they'll be kind of in the 190, 195 range. Yeah, I feel like ten. I mean, Kentucky. Going back to them, you've got the number one RPI team. I know we've gotten into a little Twitter beef with with a guy that thinks that they're a little higher than what it they should be should number be. one in the country. Yeah, I know. Apparently, you lose four I, uh, weeks in a row, and you're number one in the country. Yep. So I don't know. This is going to be a tough test for Kentucky. I really, I really don't see them winning the series at all. I, I think if they could possibly get one game i i just don't know uh another one that i think is a coin flip and we don't really talk about a whole lot of mid-majors but dallas baptist takes on uh the ut san antonio roadrunners do you have a lean on this one because i feel like this is going to be a coin flip back and forth game and really looking at their pitching matchups they've got some pretty good guys that that will probably go friday night so what's your take on this one I think there are pretty even teams. The the one thing that separates me is when you look you look at the RPI against your top twenty five teams. UTSA hasn't played anybody. They're they're a zero and zero in that. That's just they build these schedules out, so it's no fault of their own. Uh, but they got to play the schedule you play right. Uh, Dallas Baptist has played five games. I I couldn't tell you who they played. I, I just have to look at that. But I know a baseball culture exists at Dallas Baptist. They're expected to win. They have won before. They're a team that I think is ready in these big moments. I've actually bet UTSA three times this year and lost all three. They seem like they're a team that maybe just doesn't show up 100% of the time uh, or even 90% of the time. They have a good record. But I, if, if you blindly are, are picking a side, I'm just going to go based off of the pass. I think Dallas Baptist, I mean, I also looked at their home runs. They can swing the bats, man. This team's legit. Not only do they have pitching, but they can hit the ball. Uh, so they could actually make a little bit of noise in the regional. I don't 
necessarily think UTSA can. I just don't think they have the offense to kind of back it up against uh, power teams. Yeah, the only thing that worries me a little bit is UTSA home record 25-5. and five. It's it's tough to win on the road, but we'll see. Uh, Ryan Johnson will probably go Friday night for Dallas Baptist, and he's got a sub-3 ERA uh, in it. I, I just feel like Dallas Baptist is probably the right side that night, and then we'll go from there. Interestingly enough, the 11.7 pick'em contest, they've got where they've usually done more of the mid-major pick'ems. There, there's a lot of big matchups in this one that I struggled with picking, but I did take Dallas Baptist in this one, so I'm, I'm holding out for, for third place, trying to make some noise this weekend so I can jump up. So next up, South Carolina. Again, it coming off a bad weekend. They travel to Fayetteville. It's hard to win on the road. Hagen Smith is announced back in his Friday night role as a starter. Hallelujah. I I thought there was a chance we were going to get both Wagner and Josenberger back this weekend. Dave Van Horn indicated in a press conference last night that Josenberger is going to be in the lineup more than likely, but Wagner getting the pins removed from his hand. He's, he's still not swinging the bat as hard as he, as he needs to be. So he's probably not going to play this weekend. And as well as Peyton Stovall, the second baseman, he's dealing with, I guess, a shoulder injury or whatever from last weekend where he was a scratch. So hogs are still beat up, but they keep finding ways to win. Call it the Dave Van Horn magic. I, I'm not sure what exactly it is that's keeping this team going outside of just being being coached by one of the best and, and having enough talent to pull it all together. What do you think this series holds for the Razorbacks? Uh, I think Arkansas could potentially sweep. I'm not going to go too far into depth. I've already went there you know, earlier. I just think this is kind of the decline and back to where I thought South Carolina was going to be initially you know, over the first couple episodes. Arkansas already talked about them. They're – they're playing uh, really good baseball without their their star players. Obviously, they get Jostenberger back, which is going to be huge. You know, if somehow they can maybe get Stovall back, that's even better. Even if he sits out, I think they'll be okay, especially because they're playing at home. Uh, right now, I'm not seeing South Carolina as a threat. I think I would see them more as a threat if this game was in Columbia, but it's not. Arkansas knows we're getting closer to Hoover. They know we're getting closer to regionals, and these guys are really going to start focusing. I love that Dave Van Horn is throwing Hagen Smith back in the Friday role where he feels comfortable. Hunter Holland on the Sunday role. You're going to see he's pitching stress-free like he's having fun again. He looks so uh, anxious and under pressure Friday nights. It, he just seemed uncomfortable. Uh, he looked great Sunday night. You know, he looked just normal. He looked out there like he was playing ball again. Obviously, Brady Tiger should get probably somewhere up to 40 pitches. He got two innings. He, he pitched one inning his first time out. He pitched two innings this time out. Maybe we get three. Maybe we get four if it's a quick inning. They're getting him ready for the playoff. Uh, but then I think it's helped McIntyre, too. McIntyre doesn't have to start the game. He can kind of get into the groove, settle down, let a couple innings play. You know, feed off Tiger, maybe get a couple runs. So you start with a lead. He just seems like a completely different pitcher now that he's kind of coming. I don't want to say in, in relief because he almost comes in like he's a second starter and he yeah. throws, you know, three, four innings. So he's in that weird spot where they throw a guy for one inning and then they bring in a starter. But he seems more comfortable. I think he's throwing more confidently. 
I really like Arkansas to get two, and I would not be surprised if they get three here. I think just South Carolina, like I said, is, is starting to finally hit the brakes on a successful season. Yeah, and going back to that, I mean, Will McIntyre coming in after Tiger starts, that has done nothing but boost his confidence. He's gotten to shake off a lot of bad performances and has really pitched well the last two weekends doing that. And luckily, we run-ruled Mississippi State, so we only threw two guys on Saturday. And that left Sunday, you know, you have everybody pretty much available because of that. So it, it ends up helping your handicap overall to get that sweep. So just – I can't hammer home enough. Just watch the pitching matchups and then watch the games because that's going to tell you really how the success of the series is going to go. If you see a lot of guys getting switched out Friday night, you're throwing four or five pitchers, that's not going to bode well for the team, regardless if they have a good starter the next day because you're only talking about four or five innings at most for most of these starters. So just keep an eye on it, watch the games, and and try to figure out the best way to, to handicap moving forward. Uh, so talking about the used-to-be number one team in the country, LSU – they're hosting Mississippi State, the lowly Bulldogs, and this team is is just not very good. I mean, it gets swept last weekend. You come in, you you now have a pissed off LSU team who, which I don't know, they may be relieved a little bit to not have that number one monkey on their back. But do you do you give Mississippi State a fighting chance at all to take a game against I, LSU? I think they could get one. Obviously, Paul Skeens ain't happening. But Ty Floyd and whoever they decide to start Sunday, nobody has performed. They're they're beatable. They're beatable on Saturday or game twos and game threes. I mean, we've seen it. They're losing those. They're, they lost one Friday night. Other than that, it's an automatic bet. You know, we're profitable with Paul Skeens. We lose money on the other guys. I just, I mean, it's literally a one-man army on the bump, and and who Mississippi State's got some good hitters: Hunter Hines, Colton Ledbetter, Kellen Clark. They've got some guys that could swing the bat. Now, obviously, it's hostile down there in Baton Rouge. I don't expect Mississippi State to win the series. I'm not saying that, but I'm not even expecting them maybe to win a game. But what I'm saying is, is it's not outside of the realm of possibilities because there's such a drop-off from Paul Skeens to Ty Floyd to Christian Little to Riley Cooper to Thatcher Hurd. It doesn't matter which one you throw. I'm not confident in any of them. So until they show me a dominant performance, you got to kind of maybe look at a, a good number and put a quarter of a unit or a half of a unit on uh, on a game two or a game three because those are the games they're losing. So – Mississippi State has some good talent. Who's to say they can't win a game? Yep. So let's talk about the Pac-12. You know our disdain of the Pac-12, but there's a guy named Quinn Matthews over there in California that just pitches solid. Every outing, I feel like he's he's a guy you've got always back, just like Paul Skeens, just like Rhett Lauder. I, I think Stanford, I don't see how you lose between a, a Stanford – LSU and uh, Wake Forest Moneyline Parlay on Friday. Do you think Arizona has enough? Looking at that road record of two and twelve, that's that's pretty awful. I mean, do you do you give Arizona a chance to take a game in this series? I mean, it's definitely not going to be game one, so you've got to 
you know, uh, a game two and a game three chance. I mean, I don't know. Like, this Stanford team has been really weird. You know, at one point they look really dominant. Like, right now they're, you know, they're the number four team in the country and they've been playing like it as a recent. But then there's been parts of the season where you're like, man, this team sucks. Like, they're not making it far. So I just don't know how to gauge the Stanford Cardinal team. I obviously them being at home helps a lot. They they play really well at home. Quinn Matthews is going to get them one zero in the series. It's so hard to sweep, but Arizona kind of struggled with a Nevada team last night. I know it's midweek. I know you're not throwing your three quote unquote best guys on your roster. I just don't know if they have the firepower uh, and the pitching to really match up with Stanford. I'm not saying Stanford's you know top notch by any means, but I do think they're you know, maybe a notch or two ahead of Arizona. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a sweep here. I, I don't know where the number is going to be. I don't think it's going to be in the 200s. I, I kind of would think this is going to be that 155 range, if I had to guess. Like, I don't think they're going to overprice Stanford, but I also don't think they're going to make it a minus 120 to minus 110 matchup. I think they know Stanford's, you know, quite a bit better than Arizona. So definitely a game one play, and then – um I think you look at how Arizona even plays against Quinn Matthews. If they just get shut out, then I'm probably bouncing back with Stanford. If they play a tight game, they win it, or they lose a tight one, then maybe you look at maybe a game two momentum kind of win or something like that. But I, I, Stanford game one, and then kind of let's see how Arizona plays in that first game to decide how we go game two and three. Well, the last for the previews will stick in the Big 12. Oregon State, this is a team that we've, we've kind of talked about with just being a blue blood of, of college baseball here lately, I feel like they've, they're, they're a little bit up and down. But ultimately, I, I think we've said the cream always rises to the top. And when you look at Big 12 or Pac-12 teams, Oregon State's just better than UCLA, I feel like, in, in every aspect. It is hard to win on the road. That is a little concerning. But do you like the Beavers? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to get two or three. They, Jacob Kamatz, Trent Sellers, and AJ Lattery are pitching really well. And I said it probably three or four shows ago. Don't count them out yet. They're a team that lost a lot of talent, you know, via the MLB draft and just graduation in, in general. You know, they lost Cooper Jerpy, their best pitcher, but they're figuring it out and they're figuring it out at the right time. And like I've said before on Twitter, I've said it on the show, college baseball in May and June just kind of always seems to make a a run through Corvallis and they're, they're right there getting ready for it. You can, they're warming up the seats. They're 15th rank, you know, they're fighting, you know, if they, if they go and win a pack 12, they're getting, or, or make it to the pack 12 final, they're going to be a host. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, they're playing good baseball. They actually have a, a winning record on the road. Now it's a little difference to say that, you know, Pac-12 versus SEC winning record, but regardless, they're, they're winning the games at home and they're winning more than they're losing on the road. So I actually am fairly confident in this Oregon State team. They can make some noise, man. They're just, like I said, that's a hard place to play. Their fans are loyal. The weather's shitty out there. Even at this time of day, they're wearing long sleeves still. You know, in May, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird ball. Now, obviously, they're playing in LA, uh, but UCLA is just all but done for me. I mean, they, they're, I don't even really know what to consider them. They're not ranked. Uh, you know, they lose to Cal State Fullerton in midweek. So just even on the at home, I just I don't see them winning this series. I really don't. I think I don't think they're playing for anything personally. I, I think Oregon State's playing for more. 
Yeah, I mean they're twenty five and nineteen and one on the season. They're they're just not a very good team, which is kind of surprising. You look at their pitchers with Kelly Austin being a sub three ERA and then Alonzo Treadwell being three five seven. I mean, it would it would appear that they could compete in this. I mean, they're the number twenty seventh team in the country and team ERA. But then you you use those same metrics. You go back to Oregon State, who's ninth. So you really can't even say that UCLA has the pitching advantage, even though their starters, statistically speaking, have have better outings than Oregon State's pitchers. But what I can't get over is batting average. They're two fifteen, slugging two twenty one. I mean, if if we could rank their OPS, I feel like this is one of the worst teams in college baseball when when it comes to hitting <laughs> yeah. the ball. I mean. It, this team, and we've joked about the Pac-12 being a race to, to five runs, but UCLA is just not good. They can't they can't score runs. Yeah, it's hard to win baseball games when you you can't score. Yeah, I mean, listen, you look at the Mets with Jacob Degrom, the best pitcher, typically had a 500 or a losing record, and that's kind of what this spells for me in UCLA. Well, we've got a few games starting tonight, uh, or a few series, I should say. Kansas and Samford. This is sad that Can- Kansas's uh, baseball team is just not very good. This is basically a coin flip. DraftKings actually has Samford minus 120 compared to Kansas's minus 110. Then you've got NC State going to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. That's the same 110 and 120 for the home team. And then you've got Auburn and Ole Miss beginning tonight down in Oxford. Auburn is minus 105. Ole Miss is minus 125. Do any of these games scream a play to you midweek, Millie? They don't. I'm going to, I shot two for two yesterday. I'm going to take it back and bask in the glory tonight. It's not worth forcing a play. Auburn, Ole Miss, I mean, what are they playing for? I guess you could say Ole Miss is trying to fight to at least get to Hoover. It doesn't look likely. I don't think it, it really matters. NC State, UNC, I told you, UNC is on the no-bet list for me. NC State, I really can't get a vibe on them. They look like they're making a run, and then you turn around the next weekend, and they look like they're one of the worst teams in ACC. It's not worth the money. And then Kansas, like you said, they're not a good team. I'm I'm not taking Samford either. I just don't know enough about them, so – I'm going to just kind of get ready for the weekend and, and take tonight off. I may look at betting Ole Miss. I, no, you won't. Coming off a bad <laughs> series at Mizzou, they finally got the bats woken up. They won 20-14 to 14 in that Sunday or Saturday game. I don't know. I, I don't want to force a play either, but I just feel like Auburn may be they, – they're going to come back down, regress to their mean. I mean, they, they played out of their minds last weekend. I feel like that was an emotional series to get, you know, what they beat South Carolina and then you beat the number one team in the country in LSU. I just feel like they're, they're going to have to regress back down. They're not a very good team. They're 27 and 19. Yeah, you've had some impressive outings, but all in all, I, I just – I don't think Auburn's very good and – you're facing an Ole Miss team who is, like you said, they're at the bottom of the, the barrel right now in the SEC. They're fighting to get it to get to Hoover. And I don't know how far they are either. They it may be a non-factor. I'll look it up. But uh, tomorrow, do you have any of your best bets ready? I mean, I know you don't have the lines yet, but like I talked about that money line parlay with Wake and LSU. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just telling you, right now, I'm going to lay Florida. I, I have the utmost confidence in Sprout. I'm going to lay Arkansas. I'll tell you, man, Arkansas, with Hagan Smith looking as good as he did and as comfortable as he did in the game one matchup, that line is probably going to be 195. And that might, that might be one of the most confident minus 195s that I've ever felt. It's, it, I know it's essentially two to one. It might be worth laying. Get yourself up a couple units, you know, heading into game twos and game threes. I really like where this Arkansas team is going. Uh, I'll tell you another team that's playing pretty desperate. If you can find a line, I know you can. Uh, anybody outside of Virginia. I think Virginia is desperate to win a series. If you can find a decent line against the Louisville team, I think they're worth taking it. They they had a really good showing in the midweek. I think this team understands playoff baseball. They they have a couple guys like Geloff, Kyle Teal. You know, obviously their coach is a legend in the game. They are ready and they're getting ready for the ACC tournament and getting ready for an Omaha run. They've made it in 2014, 2015, and 2021. They know what it takes to get there. They're not. And I always joke, SEC looks like minor league ball players. They look like men, and UVA looks like a bunch of varsity high schoolers or prep kids. But they're damn good at baseball, and they know when to turn it on, and they play really good baseball. They're not playing long ball. They're playing baseball. So depending on what that line is, I would think it's going to be in the probably 175 range. I think they're worth the lay. I think they're a desperate team at home. You know, they're they're playing a, a – I don't want to say a decent ACC team, but – a team that can have damage, you know, be made. I think they're worth a look. So as always, we'll put out our best bets tomorrow or tonight, whenever the lines come out. But to answer your question, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are both six and eighteen in conference play, and Missouri is seven and seventeen. So you talk about a, t- a big two weeks. Two of those teams are staying home, and right now. It's looking like a Mississippi team and probably Missouri, but it would be sad if Mississippi State – they've lost six straight. That's not very good. They're on definitely the downward trajectory, so they may be there uh, sitting at home while everybody else is having fun in Hoover. But does anything else on the board for this weekend catch your eye? Anything in college baseball in general before we dive into some futures? Yeah, I mean, we could just touch on the Iowa stuff. Uh, obviously, we saw back-to-back weeks there's college baseball betting uh, without getting too much into it. It wasn't just Iowa baseball. It was uh, Iowa football, Iowa wrestling, Iowa basketball. It didn't seem like the players from from all the reports, they weren't betting, kind of like Alabama where they were betting on their team to win or lose. The players weren't necessarily betting on their own sport. They were betting in March Madness, the women's college basketball team. So that's kind of – I don't want them people to have a false narrative that they were betting to lose their games or to win their games. It was non-sport related. So it's it's a weird spot. I get the, you know, should they be allowed to bet on Iowa football game playing Penn State? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Obviously, the NCAA doesn't condone it. These guys have to know. It just is what it is. Um I'll be curious to see what that does to Iowa because Iowa's, you know, potentially facing suspension of players if if this gets pretty deep. So that might be just something to kind of follow up on if you're starting to look at tournament play for like Big Ten futures and things like that. I'm not saying anybody will be suspended, but it's just something to keep an eye on if you're looking at, 
you know, like I said, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes as a potential Big Ten future or to make some noise in a regional. I, I think that's about it, really. I mean, so that's, that's interesting because it brings up a good point with, with betting in general becoming more and more popular. You can't watch TV without a BetMGM or DraftKings commercial. Well, the announcers are talking about it. Yeah, I mean, these are college kids. They want to bet. I mean, let's face it. You were probably making parlays in in high school. I I know I was. Yeah. Trying to hit it rich. But you can't – it's so hard. It's a a huge gray area. But it's the time that we live in. And they're going to have to lay down some rules – as far as how these kids bet, but when they sign up for a betting app, I mean, it's you put in your social security number and these things can be tracked. I mean, you could, you can eliminate baseball players that have a scholarship to not being able to bet on baseball. They could bet on the football team. They could bet on the basketball team. That's fine, but it's going to be extra work, which let's face it. NCAA may be a, Nonprofit organization, but they make a lot of money. Yes, they, they can do. hire they can hire some people to analyze this and follow, track it, whatever, audit these teams to make sure that there's no activity that is outside of what should be taking place. In the I sense of, of of college kids throwing games to win money, that's a completely different story, which has not happened. And and knock on wood, it never does. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think I think this whole thing is just a bad look for baseball betting in general. Um, but at the end of the day, you're talking about college kids. Let them bet. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where just about every state is either considering legalizing betting or already has, and it, it's just going to be a growing problem if they don't tackle it now and establish some rules. Here, it's you've got to adapt. You've got to constantly change the rules to, you know, to the time we live in. Um, yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody's doing it. I mean, it's no seeker, right? And it's kind of the old adage. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. It's just something we've heard kind of growing up. Everybody's doing it, whether it's NFL players, college players. We're running brackets in middle school, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not harmful. Now, obviously, if you're point shaving and things like that, that that's unacceptable. We don't condone it. But here's the thing: you think women's college basketball, you think baseball are, are getting these million dollar NIL deals? Yeah, you might have your Kalen Clark's, your Livy Dunn, kind of one off in the weird sports. These guys are trying to eat. You know, they're trying to go to Subway and getting a foot long, not the six inch. I can't blame them for, for trying to get a couple extra dollars. I mean, it's like you said, it's a world we live in. You can send somebody you know, overseas to essentially shoot and kill somebody. Uh, you can drink in college when you're 21. Obviously, there's a lot of underage drinking as well, but legally it's 21. You can be a, a junior or senior and drink. Why can't you gamble? I mean, they're, just figure out a way to – I'm not saying encourage it, but like you said, control it, maybe – like you said, you hire somebody, certain teams are locked out on the account. Maybe you just don't bet on – if you go to Iowa, you can't bet on any Iowa sport, you know, but that's not to say you can't bet on the Arkansas-Vandy series. You know, I, they've got to figure out something. I mean, at the end of the day, we're in 2023. 
it's going to happen. A few get caught, but it happens every day, and they know that. Just let it go. Figure out a solution. Let's not create a bigger problem. Agreed. So these future lines have adjusted, obviously, with there being a new number one team. Wake Forest is now down to uh, plus 650. LSU still 4-1. to one. Arkansas is the third shortest shot at 9-1. to one. Do you do you still like anything? I, I can't tell who has fallen. I think Florida is 16 to 1. I feel like that's a little bit longer of a price than it was last weekend. Uh, South Carolina is 11 to 1. I mean, do you see any value right now to bet any of these now that the lines with Wake Forest have, have adjusted to where they, in our opinion, should have been? I mean, I have Wake Forest, I have Arkansas, I have Tennessee at 15 to 1, and I have Florida. I'll be honest, outside of those teams, I I just don't see anybody. I mean, maybe I'm blind. Maybe Coastal. I mean, they can't beat Clemson, and, and there's teams that are way better than Clemson. You know, are they playing beneficiary in, in South Carolina uh, when they go out there? I don't know. I, I look at ECU. I just don't see the offense doing it. I think they're going to fall short like they always do. Campbell, I've talked about them. I think they're a little overrated when it comes to playoff baseball. LSU, I just don't see it unless – they figure out a two and a three starter and their bullpen figures it out. I I know I'm biased, but I really like Florida because we figured out that bullpen. We lost two games with Herson Walger because he had to change his rotation, you know, his, his windup. An elite pitcher can't do that in a week, but he can do that in, in two to three weeks and he'll get back and he'll be ready. He'll figure out a groove. I really like that lineup. I, I think if Arkansas gets healthy, this could really be their year. I think this is a year where it's really power heavy. It seems like they're the top, and I'll even give you a seven. The top seven teams are just ten. You know, they're up here, and everybody else is kind of down here. And I just don't see it playing out any other way. Um, I don't think Vandy has the pitch in to do it. I don't think LSU does. I, if I had to pick three teams, it's going to be Tennessee because on paper they've got the pitchers. If they can figure out the bats outside of Knoxville, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Then you you look at Arkansas. If they can get healthy, they're going to be fine. If you look at Florida, they're figured out the bullpen. If their bats just stay what they've been all season, they're going to be fine. If if Cags can get you four innings, Hurston figures out a new windup, it's they're going to be fine. Like I think those three teams are the best value right now outside of Wake Forest. I think even six fifty for Wake Forest is a bargain. You bet a hundred dollars, you pay out six hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that by any means. I mean. That's way better value than a four to one on LSU, who has a way worse pitching staff. Yeah, I agree. One other one that is, is kind of intriguing to me is Virginia at 25 to one. They kind of match that hot, cold, hot theory. This was one of the hottest teams in baseball. I think they started the season like what 19 and 0 or something. Yeah. And then they've dropped series, you know, the last three, three ACC series with Duke, Notre Dame, and Pitt. But this is a team that could bounce back at home against Louisville, and then they finish the season with Georgia Tech. So you're realistically talking about, you know, a team down the stretch that could go five and one, six and zero, oh, even. So I think Virginia is probably hands down the second best team in the ACC, and that's despite some inconsistencies and in dropping series. But uh, I, I don't know, twenty five hundred or. 25 to one is, is decent. Do you, uh, let me ask you this. Do you throw, it's what, so Smitty on my, on notebook equation, he always calls it pizza money. You know, what you would just order out on a Friday night 
whether that's $10, 30, 40, 50, whatever it is to the person, is it worth throwing pizza money at the 25 to one? We see what Virginia does this week. If they win and they win in dominant fashion against the Louisville team who Louisville can be good. They're just not right now. They're not a, a slouch by any means in ACC. They just haven't played up to expectations, but Get UVA at 25 to 1. UVA wins convincingly. Maybe throw a little more on it at a less number. Maybe it's 17 to 1 or something like that. What, you know, I think that's a decent strategy because, like I said, they play baseball. They don't play long ball. They, they've got guys that can do it. They've been there. I mean, I'll take Jake Gelloff at third base any day of the week and I'll take him at the plate. I'll take Kyle Teal, who's batting like 460 and one of the best catchers in college baseball any day of the week. Their, their pitchers, Nick Parker, um, O'Connor, if he can just throw strikes, he's elite. And then uh, Edgington, I mean, they're they're pretty dominant. You know, they're they're having a rough patch. I don't think twenty five to one's anything to scoff at by any means. If you had to pick, you know, what you would consider a dark horse. So we had a little feedback here. Sean Alvarez said, "No UConn Huskies." I talked about. Them I can't on, respect them on Jeff's team uh, on Jeff's show. So right now they're what a hundred to one. Yeah. Look, it's becoming the part of the season where teams are starting to cancel with these midweek guys that are going to just drop their RPI. UConn's got an RPI of 16. They're 36 and 11 on the season. The only thing hurting them right now is they just they don't play anybody. I mean, you look at top 25 RPI teams they've played, they're 1 and 1, uh ranked 26 through 50, they're 3 and 1, which is impressive. But when you get, you know, midweeks like uh, Northeastern, that would have been a big one to win. They lost it. Uh, they, I would imagine they're, they're, they're dominating top. their their conference. I mean, they're 11 and three in the Big East, but the Big East doesn't have anybody that's, that's really good. So while I do think it was worth a play at the number that Sean got it at, with I can't even remember what. He ended up getting UConn at, I, I want to say it was like 200 to one. But until I see like what they did last year where they had that magical run and were playing really well, probably should have beaten Stanford in that super regional. I don't know. The Huskies just aren't battle tested enough. We'll see. They're, they're probably going to win out. And, you know, you're talking about a 40 win team uh, or 42 win team if they went out. It may be a team that can make some noise. It all is going to depend on what regional they get put in. And unfortunately, I, d I don't think they'll be in the hosting picture by the end of the season uh, just because of their lack of competition. But, you know, there's an outside chance for sure. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not buying into the Huskies team as being a legitimate threat. However, I do think it's worth a pizza money bet. Yeah, I think you said it best. I just don't respect their schedule. And, again, I touched on it with another team, uh, UTSA. They make their schedule so far in advance, these kids don't have any say in it. You know, they, they're there to play who they play, and it is what it is. They suit up just like every other team. But that Northeast, I mean, it's there's two different styles of baseball. There's, like, the Northeast and then everybody else. You know, Big Ten – the Northeast, they kind of play their own ball. It's cold. They only play four or five months out of the summer. These other places play 10, if not 12 months out of 12. I just can't see it. I mean, until they actually beat a Stanford or beat somebody to make it to Omaha and really change my mind that a Northeast team can make it, I just – I don't see it. It's the same with Boston College. I mean, 
they've got a couple pitchers, a couple scrappy hitters, but I don't even think, you know, just as a similar comparison to UConn, they're not worth the money in my opinion. If I'm going to put pizza money on anybody, I'm putting it on a, a UVA team that's been there three years out of the last 10, won one of them, potentially should have won two of them against some of the best Vanderbilt teams that's ever been. I'm, I'm putting my money on UVA before I, I put it on 100 to 1 UConn or whatever Boston College is. Yeah. And another one that's kind of interesting Northeastern is 300 to 1. I know they dropped that series last weekend, but that's a pretty good ball club. I I don't know. I just don't think a mid-major, and I'm going to classify UConn as a mid-major at this point because they're not Power 5. I, I don't see any of them winning at all. Now, they could very well make some noise in a regional and get through to a super, maybe, but I, I just – it's really hard to – when you look at the top-tier teams of the in the country, it it falls off greatly after that. And I think you're going to see that during the regionals and super regionals. Yeah, I agree. So thank you as always for tuning in. If you have any other questions, want us to cover anything on, on next week's show, please hit us up in our DMS at CBSB insiders, check out collegebaseballinsiders.com for all of the graphics that you saw with the series previews. I've already got them updated. I've got a fly in front of my face. The rain did hold off. Uh, so we had a clean show today. Uh, Q, do you have anything else before we close it out? Just follow us at CBSB Insiders. Follow us, you know, on our website, our YouTube, subscribe. You know, follow our personal pages where we're giving plays. I'm killing it. You're killing it. You know, we're winning money. There's, it's just that simple. We're here to give knowledge and win money, and we're doing both. That's right. All right. Y'all cash some tickets this weekend. Good luck. And make sure you're following along so you get our best bets. Cheers.